Have you ever tried to change something in your life, but you failed? You know what I'm talking about. You, you had good intentions, and maybe even a good plan. But you tried to change something, try to bring about something different, but, but you just keep failing at it. Maybe you've discovered what I've discovered. That good intentions and a good plan can only take you so far. You know, all of us have areas in our lives where we'd like to make a change. Maybe for you it's in your marriage. Or, or maybe it's in a broken relationship that you have. Or, or maybe it's in a silent struggle that nobody else knows about. Or perhaps it's, it's an anger that you have towards God or a disconnect that you feel with God. And you want something to change, but you keep failing at it. And here's the question I'd like to think about today. If we want to change... Why is it so hard? Some of you perhaps can relate to that question. You, you understand that question. You've tried everything you can to improve your situation. you tried everything you can to fix your problem. you tried everything you can to live up to your promise. And, you know, there are moments when it works, right? There are moments when it goes well. There are moments and perhaps even days when things are fine. And then suddenly you find yourself being pulled right back into that sin being pulled right back into the darkness of sin. You try, and you fail. So you try harder, and you fail. How long have you been struggling, and praying, and hoping for a makeover? Wouldn't it be great if today would be the day when things really do change? Wouldn't it be amazing if today is the day when things really are transformed. Jesus once met a man who struggled with something for 38 years. That's a long time. He struggled for 38 years to improve his situation. And regardless of how hard he tried and how much he wanted his life to be different, regardless of how desperately he wanted it to change, nothing seemed to change. His situation didn't improve. And his story is found in John chapter 5. Would you open God's word with me to John chapter 5? As you're turning there, uh, I want to tell you what happened after the first service. I know some of you, when I preach on a message, you write down the date and my name beside the text. And right after the service, somebody came to me and said, you, you've already preached that, that message before. And I said, no, sir. I said, I've preached that text, but I've not preached this message. And then he smiled and he said, that's right. He said, you said, you said it totally different this time. He said, but I want you to know something. In 2011, the last time you preached that message, God used it to change me. So he wasn't coming to criticize. He was coming to give testimony. That the last time he read this text with me, God used it to change his life. And he told me what changed in his life. I hope you experience that today. I hope you find that to be true today. John chapter 5 is a story of a man that that Jesus encounters who's been paralyzed for 38 years. The thing is, he wasn't always paralyzed. It appears that he grew up walking and running like any normal kid would, but there was a day when all that changed. There was a day when suddenly, we don't know if it was accident or disease, but suddenly there was a day when his legs stopped working. There was a day in time he would never forget. That was the day when suddenly... He couldn't walk anymore. Now, in his day, there certainly were doctors, but it was a primitive kind of medicine compared to what we have today. 
And so what do you do if you suddenly find yourself an invalid? What do you do if you suddenly find the fact, find yourself that you can't walk anymore, that your legs won't work anymore? Well, if you lived near Jerusalem in that day, your only hope was to go to the pool of Bethesda. You see, it was believed that an angel stirred the waters from time to time, and, and when that happened, the first one into the water would be made hell, would be made well, they'd be healed. And so crowds of needy people came to give it a try. Perhaps hundreds of people came to give it a try. Sitting, lying by the pool of water, waiting, because that was the only place where hope could be found for those folks. I mean, have you ever sat in an emergency room? waiting room? You kind of get the sense of what this story is all about. If you've ever gone to an emergency room, you know when you go there, you're going to be there for a while, right? You know you're going to be waiting. And you're not just waiting by yourself. Usually you're waiting in a crowded room. And you're waiting with other people who are hurt, who are sick, who don't smell good. Some of them are angry. Some of them are frustrated. Some of them are worried. Some of them are crying. And you're waiting with them and waiting with them and waiting with them. We know what it's like to wait in an ER. We know that when we go there, we can expect to wait for hours and hours and hours. But what if you didn't wait for hours? What if you waited for days or weeks or maybe even months for the waters to be stirred so you could at least have a chance of getting well again? One day, as these people waited by this pool where they thought hope would be found as As they waited by this pool, one day Jesus comes by. And when he came by, here's where we pick up the story, beginning in verse 5. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, to get this in your mind, one of the people, and it's interesting, by the way, Jesus does not heal everybody in this story. He doesn't heal everybody that's at the pool. But this one guy he focused on. And this guy had been an invalid for 38 years. Now, I'd like to ask a question. I want your response. Is there anybody here that is 38 years old? Raise your hand if you are. If you're 38. Okay, I can't see who that is, but I see a hand over here. Would you stand, please? I don't have no idea who that is. I'm looking at the lights. Who is that? All right, Stephen. Stephen O'Shields. Is that who? Yeah, I see you now. All right. Stephen, you're 38 years old, right? Anybody here would like to be 38 years old? Remember those days? Yeah. (laughs) All right, so thank you for standing, Stephen, but whoa, whoa, I'm not ready yet. I'm not through yet. This guy in the story has been paralyzed as long as Stephen has been alive. Now let that sink in for a moment. I'm not saying he's laid by this pool for 38 years, but for 38 years his legs haven't worked. For 38 years he's been what they call in that day an invalid. For 38 years he's been crippled. For 38 years he hasn't walked. He's had that problem as long as Stephen has been alive. Now, thank you so much. Now, the reason that's important is because when Jesus saw this this invalid man lying there, Jesus asked this man a question. And it is, in my estimation, the strangest question Jesus ever asked anyone. Here's the question, verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, 38 years, he asked him, do you want to get well? Is that not a strange question? I mean, this man who has been a victim of paralysis for 38 years, Jesus has, I would say, the audacity to look at this crippled man laying by this pool, 
hoping that somehow he was going to make it into the water. He has the audacity to look at the man who's been crippled as long as Stephen has been alive. And he looks at him and says, do you want to get well? I mean, folks, that would kind of be like your house is on fire. And the fireman comes up in the truck and he gets out and he says, "Uh, you want me to put that out for you? I mean, the question is almost insulting, right? The question is almost insulting. Do you want to get well? But let's, let's pause for just a moment and consider the condition that maybe you're, you are in. Maybe you're like this man. The Bible says in this text, in verse 6, he was in this condition for a long time. You might even want to underline that because it might describe your life. He was in this condition for a long time. Maybe you've sat in the back of a police car too and others don't know about it. Or maybe you've sat in a support group struggling with that addiction for a long time. Or maybe you've sat in a dark room with your computer fighting urges that won't go away. Or perhaps you're still dealing with the painful memory of a sinful choice. And you've been dealing with that painful memory for a long time. Maybe you had an abortion and nobody else knows but you know and you have those nights where you can't even sleep. Or maybe there's anger and there's resentment in your heart towards somebody in your family who has hurt you. And you've been in this condition for a long time. Like the man in this story, you can relate to the fact that This is not a a short problem. It's not a temporary problem. It's not a brief problem. This is something some of you have been dealing with for years. And then along comes Jesus with this strange question. It's the question that comes before the healing. Do you want to get well? That's the question he's asking some of you today. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And what fascinates me about this story is not just the question, but the man's response to the question. Look at his response in verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Isn't it fascinating and amazing that the man didn't say, yes? I mean, this is not a hard question. This is not, in some ways, it's not a hard question that you've got to study for. It's not something you've got to spend a lot of time thinking about, right? This is an easy question. Do you want to get well? And, and obviously the answer is yes, but that's not what the man said. The man responded with this, you don't know my situation. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't realize what I've tried in the past and it hasn't worked. You don't know what I've been struggling with. Look how the man describes it, beginning in verse 7. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get in the pool. Have you ever felt like that? That there is no one. Who is there for you? There is no one who cares. There is no one you can count on. There is no one you can turn to. You're in this by your... You have no one. And he says, while I'm trying, I'm trying here, 
I'm not laying here for, because I'm, not try, I'm trying to get in. Someone else goes up ahead of me. These legs don't work. I try to drag myself to the water, but it's no use because every time I try to drag myself towards the water, somebody who walks is able to get there before me. My guess is some of you have tried repeatedly to fix your problem too. You've been trying. You've tried repeatedly. But so far, you're still stuck in your struggle. You know the frustration this man felt, don't you? You know the anger, the inner, the inner anger. You know that hopeless feeling. You know the fear that maybe it will always be this way. Maybe things will never change. And if that is you, I want you to hear the good news that Jesus once shared in, to another individual. And you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 9.26, Jesus said to one individual, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You see, here's what I've come to tell you today. The things that limit us do not limit Him. The things that limit us do not limit Him. So Jesus, who is God in flesh, looks at this paralyzed man, and Jesus speaks to him again in verse 8 and 9. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and he walked. Now don't miss the order of events here. The order of events are crucial. First of all, Jesus told him to do something he hasn't been able to do for 38 years. In other words, Jesus told him to do the impossible. Get up. And then, after he told him to do the impossible, Jesus enabled him to do the impossible. Make sure you, you hear that. He told him to do what was impossible for him to do, but then he enabled him to do what was impossible. You see, the truth is, we're all spiritual invalids, powerless to change our lives. We're all like the lame man laying by the pool of Bethesda. This man thought that hope was found at the pool. He finally discovered that hope was found in Jesus. The makeover that you so desperately want and need is a makeover not of your own making. It will not be because you tried harder. It will not come because you've got a good plan. It will not come about because you've got good intentions. It will not come about because of you. If something really needs to change in your life, it will be because of Jesus. Jesus can empower you to do what you can't do for yourself. Just like this man. Jesus can make it possible for you to do what you can't do yourself. But the hard question that leads to real change... Is this question. Do you want to get well? Now I know the surface answer to that question is yes. I know the surface answer is, of course I do. The surface answer is, I'm tired of being this way. Yes, I want to get well. On the surface, it's an obvious answer. It's an easy answer. But just below the surface, this becomes a profoundly hard answer question. Do you feel helpless in your situation? Feel like maybe 
you don't even deserve God's help. Because if you've struggled with something for years, you likely have come to the point where you've convinced yourself, or better yet, the enemy has convinced you that you don't even deserve God's help. You've tried before and failed. You've promised before and failed. You've lived repeatedly with this sin. You've struggled repeatedly with this problem. And eventually the enemy will convince you, you don't even deserve God's help. If that's you, I want you to see something powerful in this story, beginning in verse 9. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Now let me help you understand that because it's really weird that they would even think something like this. But this was not God's law. This was man's law. Now God did have a law regarding the Sabbath. But man, the Jews specifically, added to that. They tried to interpret what God had said. And one of the rules that they made up was that you can't even carry a mat on the Sabbath because that would be work. So when this man who had been paralyzed for how long, church? How long? When this man who had been paralyzed for 38 years picked up his mat, was able to stand up, was able to walk, rather than celebrate what God did, they said, don't you know that's not allowed in here? See, these were Baptists in this story. They're really good Southern Baptists. Don't you know you shouldn't be doing that? It's the Sabbath. I love his response. His response was this. He said, verse 11, the man who made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. End of story. You you see, I don't know what you guys think about this, and I really don't care because the man who made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. Then they ask a question, and they say, well, who is this man? And he said, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. Here's what he said. Shorter's translation. He says, I have no idea who he was. I don't know who he was. Look at the text. Verse 12. So they ask him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick up your mat and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Now usually when you read about these stories of Jesus healing somebody, usually the story goes like this. Everybody look up here. I want you to see how the story goes. Usually the story goes like this. Someone in need meets Jesus... They confess their faith in Him, and then they are healed. And most of the stories, maybe not all, but most of the stories in the Gospels follow that that storyline. Someone in need meets Jesus. They understand who He is. They meet Him. They recognize Him. uh, They recognize who He is. They see His power. Somebody meets Jesus. They confess their faith in Him, and they are healed. But that is not the way the storyline goes in this particular situation. In this particular situation, someone in need meets Jesus. He has no idea who Jesus is, and yet Jesus healed him. And there's no evidence of faith whatsoever. There's no mention of of faith at all in this story. And so, keep reading the story because something interesting happens. The man, verse 13, who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away away into the crowd that was there. And later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, 
See, you are well again. That's where we get the idea that perhaps his paralysis was because of something he had done in the past. You are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Now you need to understand that this healing took place before Jesus addressed the sin in his life. The paralysis perhaps could have been a result of some sin in his life. Something that he was involved in, something he was doing, some type of sinful lifestyle perhaps led to his paralysis. And here's my point. Jesus did not heal this man because of the goodness of the man. The healing was a healing of grace. It was the grace of Jesus, not the goodness of this man, that brought about the healing. The healing, understand this, the healing occurred before Jesus talked to him about the sin in his life. You know what grace is? Grace is God doing something for you that you do not deserve and that you cannot do for yourself. It's unmerited. It's unwarranted. It's unearned. It's undeserved. And God in His grace knew about the man's sin. And he healed him. And then he talked to him about the sin in his life. God knows about your sin too. God knows all about it. And grace is not reserved for good people. Grace shows us the goodness of God. You see, in one way or another, we're all paralyzed by sin. In one way or another, we all have that struggle that we can't fix. We all have issues that we can't solve. We all have problems that are beyond our ability to change. And when it comes to living a righteous life, we are all invalids when it comes to living a righteous life. We, we all try really hard, but nothing really changes, does it? And Then Jesus confronts us with that hard question. The really, really hard question. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? You would think that would be an easy question to answer. But there's three reasons why it might be the hardest question you've ever will answer. One of the reasons it's such a hard question is because of the silent battle that goes on inside of us when someone asks us, someone like Jesus asks that question. The silent battle we have. You see, we have this battle, that silent battle, where we're trying to, to decide if we should reveal our struggle or can, can continue to conceal it. Nobody else knows about it. Maybe a handful of people, but not very many people. Should we reveal it or conceal it? There's that, that silent battle. And guess which one the devil wants you to do? Not only is there that silent battle, there's that inner battle as well. The inner battle is, do I really want to let go of this? Do I really want to let go of this? There's that inner battle. Oh, some days you desperately want to let go of it. Some days you, you, you would, you, you're praying and crying to let go of it. But there are other days when you're clutching it pretty tightly. I mean, just think about it. If you really had wanted to let go of it, you would have done it by now, right? 
If you really wanted to let go of that sin, if you really wanted to let go of that problem, that ongoing struggle that has defeated you for years, if you really wanted to let go of it, you would have done that by now. If you could. There's that inner battle and that silent battle, and then there's also that spiritual battle. The spiritual battle is this, that just like you're trying to decide if you want to let go of it, there's an enemy that won't let go of you. There's a spiritual battle. There's demonic forces that are trying to hold on to you. There's an enemy that doesn't want to let go of you. So this question, do you want to get well? It's a hard question. Maybe the hardest question you've ever faced. You remember in the video, I, I so appreciate Ryan in his honesty and his transparency telling us his story. Do you remember in the, in the video where Ryan mentions that it was his second time in the back of a police car when he really cried out to God? I haven't asked Ryan this, uh, but I bet if you were to ask him, Ryan, on the first time, in that first time, did, did you pray to God? In that first time, did you ask for help? In that first time, did you want God to change you? In that first time, did you pray? In that first time, were you crying? In that first time, were you hoping that God would do something? In that first time, and Ryan would have said, yes, I'm sure he did. I'm sure the first time in the back of the police car, he said, yes, I, I want to be well. Yes, I, God change me. God help me. God forgive me. But not all yeses are the same. Not all yeses are the same. Sometimes you say yes and you finally mean it. Sometimes you say yes and it comes from the depth of your soul. Sometimes you eventually say yes and recognize my only hope is Jesus. Do you want to get well? That thing you've struggled with for years? And you've tried. You've tried to let it go. You've tried to put it down. You've tried to stop it. You've tried to improve things. You've tried. And some days it works. But many days it doesn't. And you find yourself pulled back into the darkness. And Jesus comes to you again today and says... Do you want to get well? My prayer for you is this. That today you would say yes and mean it. When you say yes and mean it, here's what we're talking about. Yes, whatever that involves. Yes, whatever you say. Yes, whatever you need to do. Yes. For the first time, maybe in my life, I'm saying it and I mean it. Yes. So, Pastor Keith, it's like it's impossible. Jesus will tell you to do the impossible. And then He will enable you to do it. Do you want to get well? I hope during this time of invitation, you will say, 
Yes. Yes. From the bottom of my heart. Yes. Jesus, I've told you yes before. But deep down I knew I wasn't ready to let go. I've told you yes before, but deep down I still had it in the back of my mind. I just try harder next time. Jesus, I've told you yes before, but deep down it was a weak yes at best. But today, Jesus is coming by the pool of Bethesda one more time. You've tried with all that you can to change things and get better. and You've tried with all that you can to improve your situation. And He looks at you today one other time to say, Do you want to get well? Father, thank you for your grace. Your grace and your mercy and your power. Thank you, dear God, that you take us where we are and you take us the way we are. And though we have struggled and failed, your mercies are new every morning. And though you have heard us say before, God, I promise. God, I'm sorry. God, please help me. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love that's unfailing and unending. And today, thanking you, we thank you for asking us one more time that very hard question. And as we wrestle with that silent battle, that inner battle, and that spiritual battle. May there will up within us an honest, absolute, unconditional, no strings attached, yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray with every head bowed, every eye still closed. In a moment, the band's going to be playing and singing. It's going to be a great time of invitation. Right where you are, you could just cry out yes to Jesus. Or right where you are, you could turn around and make that seat your altar. Or you could come here to this altar, and I, I'm going to be here to counsel with you. I'm going to be here to pray with you. As you say yes, and really mean it this time. And it not, it's not a yes of I'm going to try harder. It's not a yes that I'm going to try to do my best. It's not a yes that I've got a good plan this time. It's just, yes, I need Jesus to do what I can't do. So I'm going to be here to pray with you, to counsel if you want to come. And Father, may you receive honor and glory. May lives be changed. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.